what we do when we have painful emotions, we have become very, very good at avoiding them, shoving them down with all of these amazing tactics, which we will call avoidance tactics. We have created trillion dollar industries in the world for these avoidance tactics. Just look at food, alcohol, drugs. We overwork. Social media, it's an avoidance tactic. Loss can come in many different forms, some that we may not even recognize as loss events. And often, loss and grief cause us to turn to avoidance tactics because we aren't equipped to deal with the pain of those emotions. Today, I'm joined by Beyond Loss mentor and co-founder of the Chaston Center, Karen Chaston, to talk about moving beyond loss and creating more meaning in our lives. Karen shares her own story of loss and how she came to help others to work through painful emotions themselves. In this episode, we talk about the different kinds of loss people can experience, some tools to start working through a loss event, and we also talk about how you can be there for someone you know who may be experiencing loss or grief themselves. I am very pleased to welcome Karen Chaston to the show. Hi Karen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you going? I'm fabulous. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so excited about being here. I'm so excited to have you here. And to start with, would you just give me a bit of an overview of what the Chaston Centre is all about? Well, the Chaston Centre is a place for meaningful living. And what I mean by that is a place where we can really start to deep dive into our life and ask ourselves, you know, what is life all about? What am I all about? Why am I here? What am I meant to be doing? And how can I create something, you know, whether it's just a better way of being that will inspire others to be better at what they do? Because I really do feel that we're all here to leave our amazing planet in a better place than what it when it was when we sort of found it. And it could be something as simple as smiling at someone and making their day better. It doesn't have to be this great, you know, Martin Luther King, I've saved the world or anything like that. It's just about making life better and more meaningful. That is fantastic. So where did this journey all start for you? Well, believe it or not, I had to have quite a couple of tragic loss events in my life for me to actually even consider founding or co-founding the Chaston Centre. And I used to be a CFO of a publicly listed company. I'm still a CPA. I refuse to give up my CPA status because I have to tell you, they were the hardest exams I ever did in my life. So I'm never going to give away my CPA status. And plus, it's a part of me anyway. And and I still utilize those skills as well in my life. So it started nearly 10 years ago on the 10th of July, 2011, when my husband and I woke up thinking we were going to have a lazy day, a lazy Sunday at home. Though within minutes, I was running out of the back door looking at my 27-year-old son, Dan, who we thought had passed out at the back door. But unfortunately, within minutes, when the paramedics arrived, we found that he had actually passed away several hours earlier, which was a total shock. We thought 
a healthy 27-year-old had gone out the night before with his mates uh, separately from his girlfriend. So it was, you know, what do you do? And me being my corporate executive self, I went straight back to work after his uh, funeral, working more, eating more and drinking even more. And of course, that's not the way that you move beyond loss. I have found out since. It's the way most people do it. It's either keep busy, give it time, all of the things that we say to each other. And we've been saying them for centuries and centuries. It hasn't just, you know, come out of nowhere. And because I didn't wake up, I now know that, and this may sort of sound a little bit unusual, that I now know that Dan and I had planned it. I needed to wake up from my corporate life. I needed to be doing what I'm doing now. And in order for me to actually even consider something different, I needed to have a couple of sort of wake-up calls. Dan's was the first wake-up call, and because I ignored it, I had to have another wake-up call, which came in the form of the company I was working with was merging with another, and they said to me quite early in the merger process, Karen, you won't be the CFO in the new company, but you'll be doing everything you're doing now plus more, and we really want you to come with us. And I said, yeah, sure, that sounds great, until they gave me my contract. And it was the greatest gift they ever gave me, Rachel, because the contract was for only two-thirds of what my current salary was at that time. And it made me realise that I wasn't living and loving my life. I was there only for the money. And if I was honest, I was wasting most of the money just to get through the day, just to cope with all of the stress and all of that. So... That's why I say it was the greatest gift they gave me because I chose redundancy. And that's when I knew I was going to do something different, but I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And it's been a journey since then to here. Yeah, well, walk me through that journey, what you did with the time in your redundancy. And is that how this all started to make shape and form together what you're doing now? Yeah, so I started off and it was really funny, you know, because I had a contract where I had to give six months notice or they had to give me six months notice. I worked for five months of it with it. And, you know, in hindsight, I should have just said no. You know, everyone else who has been made redundant, you've sort of, you know, shown them the door. Why are you making me work? But anyway, I did the right thing. I honoured my values and I did the right thing. But very quickly in that time, I got an email from a group in America who, this was like 2011, and this is 2012 by then. And I'd been following this group since 2009 and I'd get emails from them and I'd go, wow, they look amazing. I really want to be part of this group. And then of course life would take over and I wouldn't see all the emails and stuff. And the group was called Braveheart Women. And it was all about helping women to be women, to remain women, to understand who we are biochemically, to understand everything about ourselves. And I, I, within two months, yeah, within two months of me knowing of my redundancy, I found myself in America for this four-day conference and I dragged along one of my friends. And we had the most amazing times and the learnings that we learned in that four days 
was, you know, what adrenaline does to a woman's body, how cortisol doesn't help us, just everything that I learned. I was like in my mid-50s and I was like, why didn't I know this earlier? Why didn't we understand how different we are to men? And the fact that we're in these jobs and these roles competing with men we need to understand that physically we are different and that's why so many women burn out because we don't have this understanding and when we do have this understanding we can then you know cope with stress we can thrive and all those sort of things just by doing a little different daily practices and things like that so I initially became a life coach and this is what I was helping women with, this understanding so that they could rise in the corporate world without turning into men and without burning out because let's face it, we don't want to burn out. That doesn't help anyone. So I did it for a couple of years but it never really took off the way that it was meant to. And then I had this marketing lady talking to me and she actually said, Karen, why don't you help people with loss? Like, why haven't you deep dived into loss? Like, the way that you have moved on, like, just by meeting you and talking to you, the things that have happened in your life, you seem to have this resilience, this way of doing things that a lot of people could benefit from. And I went, oh, funny you should say that. I was told, like, in 2013 that I would become a grief, you know, loss sort of person. And at that stage, I think it was too close to Dan's passing because it was only like a couple of years that I went, no, nah, I don't want to be around those people. They're too sad. You know, they, they, they just seem to give up a lot. You know, they just sort of have accepted this is my lot in life and I'm not going to change and this is it and this is who I am now. So the more that, and that after that, I started to deep dive more into loss. And that's when I realized that loss is not just death. And that was the key that I required for me to go, this is so what I'm meant to be doing. Because when I realized that there was over 40 different loss events that can affect all of our lives, I started, I went looking for that list and I've even added to that list because I thought people need to understand that some of these things that we think is just change or an event is actually a grief causing scenario. And when we understand that it is a grief causing scenario, we can be there more for our friends or our family who are experiencing it, or we can be there for ourselves and we don't have to avoid it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Can you give me some examples of some of those grief loss events that we may not even consider to be that yeah. substantial? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So the main ones, as, as you can imagine, is death of a loved one, a uh, divorce, separation, job loss, health, wealth, even your pets. But if we go back to the 2020 pandemic, things that really came to the forefront were loss of freedom, loss of choice, loss of status, loss of identity, changing work conditions, changing social activities, changing recreational activities. And, you know, normally I'll hold up a list, but obviously there's no point when we're only on audio. And the list, you know, there's one of them that most people go, well, how is that a loss event? And it's an outstanding achievement right? So you think, well, how can an outstanding achievement be a loss event? 
And it's not, it's, it's not the actual achievement, it's what happens after it. So you think of an Olympian, right? They train and train and train, they get to the Olympics, they win their gold medal. They may go two or three times, but then they've got the rest of their life because it happens when they're young. You know, it could be in their teens or early 20s a lot of the times. And then they've got the rest of their life and they can never, ever live up to that outstanding achievement. How many times do you hear of a one-hit wonder or an author who writes one book and can never get back to the second or the third or all those sort of things? So it's anything that's changed, you know, a, a pregnancy can be a loss event. Because you think, but a pregnancy is a great time, and it is, but you're also losing who you were. So we live in a world of duality. So for every gain, there's also always going to be a loss, right? But when we have loss in our life, we focus on the loss. We don't focus on the gain. And there is always a gain. And that's what I help people to do. And that's why I've called my program the gift of loss, so that you can focus on what you've gained and heal what you've lost and I'm not like bringing the, what you have lost down, but for us just to switch our focus so we can see the gain because there, we live in a world of duality. There is always going to be an opposite that happens, an opposite and equal reaction. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense as well. So what are some of the long-term side effects if we go about our life after loss without really addressing the issue, both mental and physical in regards to our health? And emotional. And emotional, yes. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's the emotion. So let me explain. So for every relationship, there are three aspects. And it's, it's a relationship that causes us to lose, right? So there's three aspects to every relationship and there's only ever two people in every relationship. And that's what people forget. They think it's, you know, it's the family. It's like, yeah, there is a family, but it's the relationship between whoever has been lost, whether it's through divorce or death or through sickness or anything. So when we look at the relationship, so the first aspect of the relationship is the physical. That's the way we hang out together, the things we do, the things we say, the way we touch each other, okay? The second aspect is the emotional side. And the emotional aspect covers all of our ranges of feelings, the good, the bad, the glad, and the sad. And then the third one is the spiritual. And the spiritual is that intangible. We know that we're connected to this person, place, or thing, but we're not really sure why we are so connected. So when the loss event occurs, it is the physical aspect that ends. The emotional and the spiritual will live on forever. And it's the emotional aspect that causes us all the pain. And the reason it causes us all our pain is because we misunderstand our emotions. So emotionals can be painful. So what we do when we have painful emotions, we have become very, very good at avoiding them, shoving them down with all of these amazing tactics, which we will call avoidance tactics, we have created trillion dollar industries in the world for these avoidance tactics. 
just look at food, alcohol, drugs. We can have shopping. Like shopping is even called retail therapy. Like seriously, we overwork. Social media, it's an avoidance tactic. We can deep dive into social media and we can justify how we have just spent the last two days. We have just been so engrossed in, in this series and this and that. So, yes, we have created a world of avoidance. And the reason we're avoiding is the pain. But the funny thing is that when you understand what the pain is all about, you actually can deep dive into it quite quickly, heal what the pain is. It's actually your friend. It's actually saying, do you know what? There's this little thing that you need to heal in this relationship. Now, our unconscious mind remembers every millisecond of our life, of actually all of our lives, but we'll just concentrate on this life. So it remembers every single millisecond of this life. So therefore, it remembers every single millisecond of this relationship. Our conscious mind doesn't. So the way that our conscious mind talks to us is by giving us feelings. So it's giving you this feeling, and it might be this anger at you didn't say this or you did say this and maybe you shouldn't have done this or maybe you didn't do this. You know, every relationship has hopes, dreams and aspirations. Maybe you're angry at the fact that you didn't do this. Go back to 2020. How many people were angry? Oh, my God, why didn't I take that trip when we could have? Or why didn't we do this? And all these sort of things. So it brings up this anger for you to heal, for you to deep dive into it and to find out things you might want to apologise for, things you might want to forgive, or things that you might want to acknowledge. And when you actually have these emotions come up, you can start to ask yourself these questions. What's this about? What is it truly about? Because we mask our, our emotions so much that we don't actually deep dive into the cause. We may look at the symptom, but we don't look at the cause. So when we actually can figure out what it's about and we can do it through so many different ways, sure, we can't pick up the phone and ask our unconscious what it's about, but there are so many tools and so many different modalities around at the moment to assist us to be able to get to the answers. And it's surprising that when you start to stop and actually deep dive into the way you're feeling, how the answers will come to you in so many different ways. Yeah. So what is the process that you take people through? Is it a standard process that's the same for everyone, but different in the way that they go through it? It's the same steps. But obviously, their journey will be completely different. So everyone goes through a different journey. And it is a five-step process that I have, which is the gift of loss. But the funny thing that I have found, no matter what the loss event that they brought me to, it may not be the first one that they will work on. But the funny thing about it is what always comes out is loss of identity. So the person begins to realise that in this relationship or in a lot of their relationships, they've lost who they are slowly, slowly, slowly. So they've chipped away. Like, for example, just, just use it. Let's use the scenario of a divorce, right? So the whoever, the male or the female, has stopped doing all the things that they love to do because of their partner. 
or they didn't go for their career goals because the other partner was going for their career goals. So they start to realise that through life, through their time in this relationship, they slowly lost who they were. And that's the biggest pain that they're actually starting to realise is, I don't know who I am without them. You hear it all the time, whether they're dead or alive. I, I, I don't know where I have no clarity on how to be me because I lost all of my friends in the relationship because he or she didn't like my friends. So we had other joint friends. And now that the relationship is over, those friends are not with me anymore. So, so it's the loss of identity is the biggest loss and it's the one that we don't realise because we think we're being us. But if we start to tap into the things that brought us joy and fulfilment when we were a little kid in our growing years, we start to realise, oh, my God, I never do that anymore. I, I, I don't have that joy in my life. And that's what this process really does. It helps you to reconnect to who you are because it's really important for everyone to realise that you matter. You know, you are the only person that you're going to spend your entire life with. And so often we put ourselves last and we give up on our dreams and our hopes and all our aspirations for someone else. And that's why it's really important for people to understand that there is a gift in the loss. If you choose to do the five steps and the first step is to stop. Like I didn't stop. I, I went straight back to work. I ate more. I drank more. I worked even harder. And I was already working six days a week. You know, I, a lot of the time I show a photo of my two passport photos, my 2007 and my 2017 passport photos. And I look completely different. In I look 10 years younger in the latter one. So I like to tell everyone I've gained 20 years. <laughs> Because I started to look after me because I thought I was looking after me by working hard and doing all this. But when I stopped, when I finally stopped, I started to realise that I wasn't looking after me in, you know, there's nine areas of life in the Chasten Centre model, in the Chasten Centre Wellness Wheel of Life. And when I did the exercise on that, when I was creating it, I realised I was living 95% of my side in my professional life. You know, my relationships with my kids and my husband and my friends and family were okay. They weren't like they are now. I was, you know, definitely drinking way too much. So, and I was always angry. And I didn't even realise I was always angry. And when I looked around at my peers, I realised that we were all the same because we, we weren't looking after ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically or spiritually. And that's where it all starts is you matter. And so often we forget that we matter. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, probably mostly in relation to loss of death, we could feel guilty around letting that go and thinking, you know, if I do stop thinking about this all the time and stop feeling this way, then I'm a bad person. You know, I'm not respecting that person's memory or whatever it might be. So what could you say if you are feeling guilt around yeah. moving on and working through that loss? 
it's funny that you should say that. I, was, I spoke to a lady the other day. She connected through me through Facebook and she said, I need help. My mother passed away six years ago and I really can't get over the guilt. And I said, look, I'm happy to have a 10-minute conversation with you. She said, oh, my God, thank you. So I got on, I booked a time and we, and we spoke. And I said, tell me what happened. And she said, my mother was 85. She was living with me in a house in Barrel. And, you know, I moved her in with me. She had her own room. We had such a great time. We really were best friends. And then I got sick and I had to go to hospital. And when I was leaving, mum said to me, you've been the best daughter. Thank you so much. And she said, oh, yeah, mum, thanks a lot. You know, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And while she was in hospital, her mother died. And she had so much guilt over not being there when her mother passed. She, she said, I just can't move on. It's been six years. I haven't even touched her room. My kids were here the other day and they were still laughing at me going, oh, you haven't even fixed Nan's room. When are you going to do something? You know, when are you going to heal? She says, I just can't. I cry all the time. I miss my mum. And I said to her, do you think your mum would want you to be sad? And she said, no. She said, we used to laugh all the time. I said, have you ever thought that maybe your mum had planned to pass when you went around? Do you ever think that she didn't want you to see her lying there dead, that she thought that it was a, a perfect time for her to go when you were not in the house? She said, it's funny you should say that, you know, I've, I've felt that a bit. I have felt that, you know, she died when I wasn't around and maybe that's what she wanted. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure right? This is my knowing and everyone has their own knowing and their own beliefs. I said, we do choose when we pass. We choose who we want around and who we want. You know, how often do you hear, I just left the room and they died as soon as I left. It's because that's what they wanted to do. I said, she's now in a place where there is unconditional love, right? So do you think that she's angry at you for not being there? Do you think that she wants you to be sad? Do you really think that she doesn't want you to be living and loving your life? And she went, oh, my God, Karen. She said, you have just lifted this veil off me, this, this heavy load. I feel so much lighter. And she just went, thank you. I said, right. And now the first thing you're going to do, it's time for you to redo her room. Make it, make it a happy place for your children and grandchildren to come and stay. So it's not a museum it's actually a room where they can all feel it and she just went oh, thank you so much she said oh, that might take a little bit longer she said but I will definitely do it and that's what I honestly believe for everyone they do not want you to be sad they are always showing you signs that they are around like Dan is the co-founder of the Chasing Centre he is constantly bugging me putting ideas in my head. He, you know, very, very early on in my journey, I have a lot of spiritual people around me. Very early on in my journey, I was told he's behind you. I said, yeah, I know. He's pushing me all the way forward. And the, and she, and the lady actually said to me, he's actually saying, mum, you didn't listen to me when I was alive. So now we're going here, there and everywhere. I would never have written a book. I would never have been a speaker. I would never have done, you know, anything. And I'm in the process of writing my fifth book, right? So I wouldn't have even written one if Dan had been in this realm because I would have been too busy being busy. 
Whereas the stopping, and that's why the first step is to stop because it's in the stopping that we get the guidance and we get the love and we get the understanding and we take that beautiful conscious loving breath that fills us up, you know, all the way down to our belly, actually all the way down to our feet where we can actually fill ourselves up with all of the love and the wisdom and the power and the strength that we all have that we all forget that we have. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's so true. So when you do stop, what, yep. what do you do in that time of stopping to yep. look inward and, and work on yourself? Yeah. So the stopping is all about you actually asking yourself these questions because we don't, you know, where we are in life comes back to the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves. So the first question we ask ourselves is, what does this mean for us now? Like, what does it really mean for us now? It's so often we go into the other person and we go into the tragedy of the event of what happened and we keep telling people and we keep reliving it. Whereas when we stop, like properly stop, it's like, what does this mean for me now? Like, I'm still here and I'm still alive. So what does it mean for me moving forward, you know, in all areas of my life? You know, where am I? Where, where am I financially? Where am I physically? Where am I mentally? You know, where am I professionally if, if we need to be up? And where are my other relationships? What, what does this mean for, for everything else? Because we've got to figure that out. Because until we figure out what it means for me now, we can't figure out what it means for us moving forward. And it's really important that we start to have a plan for moving forward. And that's the biggest problem is most people get stuck. And I've met people 20, 30 years after losing a child who are still stuck. They, they put their life on hold. And I say to them, do you really think that your child is, wants you to be stuck? wants you to be living your whole life with this pain in your heart that you has stopped you from actually living and loving everyone else. Now, I'm not asking you to replace that person. I'm asking you to live with the love of that person, with the love that you know that they're actually behind you going, you know, I, I say Dan's my biggest fan. He's my biggest cheerleader. And my dad, who's also on the other side, gets really angry. You give him all the credit. I'm helping you as well. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll give you my parking spaces. <laughs> and I'll thank you for them. Because we all have this cheer squad. And we all forget that we have this cheer squad. And it's really important that they are there. I had a, a girlfriend who I went to school with. And she passed... She passed, oh, a while ago now. I think it was like 2003 when we were only 48, right? I'm 64 in a, in a couple of months. So, and she was a month older than me. So she, she passed really early on and she's come to me many times and she says, I'm so proud of you. She says, the things that I'm going to cry over her, isn't it funny? Anyway, and she goes, I'm so proud of you. You do all these things that I wish I could have done. And 
And I just didn't do it. I just held myself back. I stopped myself. She said, you keep going because I'm watching you. <laughs> so funny, I haven't talked about her for ages. Thank you, Meg. So, and that's why it's really important. We all have that cheese scroll. And when we have death in our lives of our loved ones, we forget that we're here to live a life. We're not here to die while we're alive. And so many people do. And it, it could be through a loss of a loved one. But you also see it through a loss of a job. Like so many people, they lose that magical job that they had and they never get another one like it and they slowly start to lose their health and they slowly start to lose their finances and then they get sick and then they die and it was all because they lost that job, which was their identity. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see that especially in our work because we attach so much of ourself to that when we spend so much of our time at work and contributing to that, whether it's a job or as a business owner. So do you have some advice for separating that so you don't lose your identity in that loss of a job? I do. And that's the fifth step, which is the the pivot step in my uh, five-step process. And the pivot step is where you deep dive into all areas of your life. Because when you deep dive into all areas of your life, you realize that one is not important, is more important than the other. You also realize that when you focus on all of the nine areas each week, now you don't have to spend the same amount of time in each of them, but you focus on them. You then start to create little action steps for each week little goals so that you can enhance every single area of your life. So when you are focused on that, you then will not have, if one goes down, you know how to bring it back up because your whole identity is not wrapped into one. You understand that, you know, you are who you are mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You understand your relationships. You understand your family. You also understand that in your family, you have a one-to-one relationship with every single member and your friends and in society and environmentally. So you understand how important it is that you are continually enhancing each and every one of those things. You know, so often in times we all go out, like I had three children and obviously my husband and I, we would normally go out as the five of us when they were younger. They're all in their 30s now, apart from Dan, obviously. And, but now I was like, oh, if I understood what I understood now, I would also would have gone on little dates with my sons separately to how are you, you know, asking that question, how are you, what's going on in your life, how can I help you, you know, and encouraging them to be themselves, encouraging their dreams. So often as parents, we, you know, encourage our kids to live the life that we didn't live as opposed to what they want to live and to help them to understand that, you know, you do what you need to do. How can we assist you to do that? So when you live in all areas of your life with a focus on all of them, they all thrive and they all grow. Now, 
when I was in my corporate life, I was living the old adage of I'm spending my health to get my wealth. And when you live that, you also will always end up spending your wealth to get back your health. And so many times, so many times, you just got to look at so many people, you know, how often a, a school friend of my husband's, he passed away probably about four or five years ago. He retired. A week later, he was dead. He had a heart attack when they went on their Thailand trip. He was, so he worked all of his life so he could retire young and he died. And, and that's the thing. It's not, it's, that's not enhancing all areas of your life. His identity was wrapped up very much in his career. But, you know, but he had planned for retirement and all that sort of stuff. And that's the thing. So many people retire and they don't know who they are. I can remember years ago, I can remember in the early 2000s, I met a man who was consulting at a company I was working with. And he had originally owned seven McDonald's stores and he'd retired. And he was doing some consulting work because he said, I'm bored. He said, I, he says, I'm a nobody now. He said, when I had the McDonald's stores, I was a someone. Everyone would want to talk to me because they knew I was successful and all this sort of stuff. Once I retired, I'm just the old guy down the road who plays golf most of the time. He says, I've lost who I am. And that's the thing, because he was so wrapped up in all of that, he had lost who he was. And that's the best advice I can do, give anyone is enhance every single area of your life and actually look at it and saying, is my health at the expense of, you know, is, is my professional life at the health of any of, these, of, of any of these other areas of life? And more than likely you are. So when you do that exercise, you can start to see how balanced your wellness wheel is. Because let's face it, if they're not all balanced, you're not going to roll along very nicely. You will for a little while. You will maybe for years, but eventually you're going to break down. And we all know that if a wheel on a car isn't, you know, working properly, you're not going to go very far, are you? No, no, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. like the, the old perspective of looking at, I will be happy when I reach this milestone or this milestone, but ah. that's just not the case. It's, it's never the case. And it's funny you should bring that up. It was a little while ago, I saw a valid Victorian speech on Facebook. And the guy was talking about how to become the valid Victorian, he had to realize, he knew a year ago that if he did this, 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 he could be it. And he said, and while I was preparing this speech, he said, I looked back at my year. And he said, and I didn't look back at what I'd gained. I actually looked back at all that I lost. He said, I've lost so much in what I did to get this 15 minutes of fame. He said, and I have to tell you, it wasn't worth it. For you able to stand up here and give a 15-minute talk, I didn't go to family dinners. I didn't go out with my mates. I didn't go drinking. I didn't do so much. He said that I have to say it wasn't worth it. And he, when I knew about it, when my name was called a month ago when they announced the winner, he said, I had 15 seconds of excitement. I ran up there. I was so excited. And I just really did think, this is it. I've done it. I've achieved it. And he said, and then as I was walking back, I started to think, is this it? Is this it? I thought this was going to solve all my problems. 
I thought this was going to be just make me me and I'll be right for the rest of my life. He says, the only thing that I'm so grateful about this is that I've realised at such a young age that you really do have to say, what is, the, what, what is the gain and what is the loss if I go for this goal? He says, because we all need to realise that. He says, because so often we go for that goal not realising anything that we've lost. And there are so many people who have achieved all of their career goals and then they look around and they're there at the top of the ladder all alone. They've burnt their relationships. They've burnt their, you know, especially their relationships with their, their partner or their kids. And they look around and they go, yeah, I may have achieved all this, but have I really gained anything? Mm, yeah, that is so important. It is so important. Yeah. As I said in the beginning, we live in a world of duality. We, for every gain, there is always going to be a loss. And we never take the time to look at that opportunity cost. And the more that we can do that, the more that we understand that because we're consciously then living our life, we have intention in all that we do because we've thought about what is the game? What is my intention for doing this? Is it going to bring me joy? Is it going to bring me happiness? Is it going to move me closer to my goals? And when you start to ask those questions, you start to really live a more meaningful life which is why the Chasing Centre is called A Meaningful Life. Mm, oh, that's fantastic. There's one more question I'd like to ask you, mm-hmm. and it's around helping people in your life that are dealing with loss. And I suppose sometimes we just may not even know what to say, what the right thing to say is. Yeah. And obviously yeah. we can never understand how someone else yeah. is feeling. So what can we do and say to support those people? Okay, I've been asked this question a lot and thank you for asking that because it is important for people to realise that we haven't really been taught what to say or do or how to move beyond loss. And probably it was January last year, I was actually on a UK podcast and and the guy asked me that. He said, Karen, I was at a funeral and one of our mates had committed suicide and I, you know, the whole of us, there was five of us in a huddle going, what do we say? We know the parents. We've got to walk up to them. What do we say? What do we say? And I, he goes, we had no idea what to say. And I said, that's what you say. And he goes, what do you mean? So you walk up to them and you say, I don't know what to say. I have no idea what you're feeling, what you're going through. I have absolutely nothing to say, but I want to be here for you. So please let me know the best way I can be here for you. And then just listen. Because when you say that, that covers any scenario, any scenario, whether it's death, whether it's divorced, what it is, a relationship breakdown, a job loss, because you don't know what to say. You don't know what they're feeling. You don't know what they're going through. You, you know, some people you might think will be really upset. Other people will be ecstatic about what's happened. You never, ever know. But the thing is, when you say, I would like to be here for you, and please, you tell me how, when you really listen to them, they will tell you. They will say, well, I just want someone to listen to me. You know, especially deaf. No one wants to talk about deaf. You know, sometimes people don't want you to talk about your dearly departed because they don't know what to say. So they're uncomfortable and they don't want you to cry in front of them because then they definitely don't know what to do. And 
it's becomes all about the person more so than the person who is going through the loss because we start to think about well I don't, that's not really uncomfortable I don't know what to say I'm not going to say anything or I'm not going to do that and we also have an expectation I say people will give you a week two weeks if you're lucky and they're happy to put their life on hold for that long and then after that it's like haven't you moved on like what, what, why are you still talking about this like why aren't you back to normal and it's what's normal? There is no such thing as normal. And uh, because what's normal for you is certainly probably not normal for me. So it's a, you know, why aren't you out dancing and doing everything you used to do? And that's what people need to understand that it's a line in the sand of whatever this loss event is 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 about. You are never going to be the same person you were before, but you're not meant to be. It's it's maybe it's it's a little sort of crossing the road to actually say, do you know what? Now it's time for you to move on and become this person who you're meant to be. And it's time for you to learn from this and grow from this and become this wiser and smarter person. You know, I would love to have had this wisdom when I was in my 20s, but life is what gives you the wisdom. It's through these travelling through this and that and figuring out what works and what doesn't work you know, and that's what it's about. It's about us taking those steps and realising that we're not all meant to be that person who goes out with their mates continually in their 20s and have these amazing fun times. Life is about living, but it's about living every sort of different phase or every different year of your life. So the greatest thing you can say to anyone is, how can I be here for you? But listen. Like, don't listen to answer, just listen. Because every single person will have a different answer. Some might say, you know, can you just come and talk to me? Can you come and watch this movie with me? Or can you, you know, stop telling me what to do? And that's the thing. We all have our advice. We all have our well-meaning advice. But it's not well-meaning for them. And they've got to realise that they're probably getting... 50 or 60 different well-meaning advices which all conflict with each other and that's why people become frozen and that's why they start to suffer in silence because they just can't handle all of the differences and they're the only ones that have the answer for themselves and it is about them stopping so that they can find those answers Mm, and yeah. you know so they, they can just ask that question what does this mean for me now and what does it mean for me moving forward because just asking that question and then deep diving in and finding the answers and looking at all areas of your life to say well what does this mean for me now okay well maybe we're not as financially secured as what I thought why we're okay so what does that mean will I have to do this or do I just have to work part-time or do I just need to work for a little while? You know what I mean? It's it's about them taking the time to do that and stop avoiding because it's our avoidance tactics. And as I said, we've created a world of them, trillion-dollar industries of avoidance because we've become very, very good at it. And I'm the first one to say I was really good at it. I used to drink a bottle of wine a night before Dan passed and I got it up even higher and now I don't even drink alcohol at all. I had my last drink at the end of 2018 and I will never have another one again because I don't need it. 
because I understand what it was all about. It was me avoiding. It was me actually avoiding the fact before even Dan passed that I wasn't living the life. I wasn't living. I looked successful on the outside. People would look at me and go, wow, look at Karen. She's got the career. She's got that huge salary and the house and the car and the overseas trips and yada, yada, yada. But I was dying inside. I was literally dying inside because I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't who I was. I wasn't me. And I certainly didn't smile as much as what I do now. And that's what people need to understand. We avoid. We avoid, avoid, avoid. And it's time for you to stop and say, what am I avoiding? Am I avoiding that constant drum inside of me that keeps saying, when are you going to start living and loving your life? Because you're running out of time. And do you really want to, get to the other side and do your life review and go, wow, I was meant to do so much more. Yeah, I really did avoid, didn't I? Yeah, that's such a massive takeaway from this episode. Karen, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you'd like to connect with Karen, visit thechastoncenter.com, which you can find in the show notes below. If you found today's episode valuable, please share it with one person who might benefit from what we talked about too. Thanks for joining me on Mindset Mastery. Until next time, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.